It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in, everybody. College football betting. I am your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody is having a great week. Hope everybody enjoyed the weekend that just passed us. And I cannot believe week 12 college football season. I'll tell you this. um, This is the time of year I truly believe in college football. Things start to get really weird. You have some teams that are still playing for playoff berths, big bowls, whatever, conference championships. You have others that are playing for nothing. You have weird weather. You have now interim coaches. Just a bizarre week. Uh, just a bizarre time of year, and that is reflected in some very bizarre point spreads this weekend heading into Week 12, but lots of good games, lots of intriguing games, lots of important games as Ohio State plays Michigan State in a marquee game, as Utah and Oregon play what may be a preview of the Pac-12 championship game, and certainly Oregon's biggest test to get to the college football playoff, as USC and UCLA play, as Clemson and Wake Forest play. So we have a lot of fun games, a lot to get into. Let's get ready to preview week 12. But before we do, you know what I'm going to do. Welcome back our partners at DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook. And let me say really quick, people, I appreciate all of your guys' support as college football betting with Aaron Torres. We really have, you guys really have helped this show grow courtesy of your support of our partners at DraftKings. But I should mention, we got a great deal for those of you that are first-time users looking to sign up for DraftKings. Here is what DraftKings is doing for listeners of college football betting with Aaron Torres. For new users, this is all you got to do. Bet $1. I said it last week. Bet $1, and if your team scores one point, you get $100 in free bets. Don't tell you what to do, but guessing Ohio State might score a point this weekend, guessing Alabama might score a point this weekend, bet $1. If that team scores one point, you get $100 in free bets courtesy of DraftKings specifically for new users. Here's what you got to do. Here's how you get the promo. Click the link in the show description. So if you listen on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen, Click the link in the show description and sign up for a new account with DraftKings Sportsbook and make your first deposit. Make a $1 bet on any team, and if your team scores one point, you get an automatic $100 in free bets thanks to our partners at DraftKings. It is unquestionably, and again, I appreciate all of you who have already signed up, but for those who haven't, this is the best deal in sports betting going. If you have not signed up, Do it. It helps me. It helps the show. It helps my media company, Aaron Torres Media, grow. I appreciate your support. But as I said, best deal going. Bet $1, one point, and you get $100 in free bets. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, one 800 
1-800-522-4226-2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, or call or text Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 21 plus or over to enter, 18 plus or over in Wyoming, Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit, minimum $1 wager. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full terms and conditions. All right, so a big thank you from our partners at DraftKings. And again, I, you know, I, I can't say it enough. One, I appreciate everything they do for us. Two, just an incredible offer for all of you first-time users. I encourage you to take advantage of it. Uh, and the link is in the show description if you're interested. Also, one other housekeeping note. Next week is Thanksgiving week. And I know a lot of you will be traveling. I will be traveling as well. The plan is definitely I will be getting you an episode on Monday the way that I always do. And then from there, it'll be a little sketchy back end of the week. I will try to get you an episode either Thursday or Friday. Obviously, some of it will be indicated on travel on my part. Um, I know a lot of you will not be sitting around, not be in your normal routine over the Thanksgiving weekend. But with that said, we'll try to get you an episode before next weekend because it is a mega slate. Obviously, Ohio State, Michigan, Auburn, Alabama, Clemson, South Carolina, all the great rivalries. So just a couple housekeeping notes before we get to week 12. With that said, let's get to week 12. And it's that time of year. You look at some of these point spreads, they are very weird, and it's for good reason. This is just a strange time where there's a lot of different things you have to factor in. You got to factor in who's playing for something, who's not playing for something. You have to factor in really uh, coaches, who, who has been fired, who might be fired, whose teams have quit on their coaches, which coaches are looking for their jobs. You have to factor in weather. We saw snow in Happy Valley last week. So there are a lot of things going on, and there are a lot of things to factor in. But let's get into this Week 12 slate. And let me say this. Um, no more interesting game than Michigan State at Ohio State. Both of these teams were ranked in the top 10 of the most recent college football playoff poll. They both won this week. They will both be ranked in the top 10 this coming week as well. And what's really interesting about this game is the spread. Ohio State opened as an 18.5 point favorite. I think that shocked a lot of you. That number is now up to 19 in the DraftKings Sportsbook. The over-under was actually at 67. It is down to 66.5. And, and again, that number feels shocking. We're talking about a matchup of top 10 teams, Ohio State and Michigan State. Michigan State, of course, they're only lost to Purdue a few weeks ago. But I'll tell you this, it feels about right to me, and let me explain why. What did I tell you about Michigan State two weeks ago when they played Purdue? I said, look, I love this team. I love this story. I love Mel Tucker. I love what they're about. But at the same time, Michigan State, as good as they are, has one very big weakness, and I said Purdue might be the team to expose it. They are terrible against the pass. Going into the Purdue game, they ranked 127th nationally in pass defense. Well, guess what happened in that game? Purdue threw for 536 yards passing. Maryland had 350 last week. And in defense of Michigan State, um, those are probably the two best passing teams in, in the Big Ten outside of Ohio State. Now you're going up against the best passing offense in the Big Ten, and now statistically Michigan State is the worst pass defense in the Big Ten and coming off two really subpar performances. The concerning part 
it ain't going to get any easier against Ohio State, which I believe has the best wide receiver core in college football, bar none this year, and one of the best in recent memory. I don't know if it's the best because Alabama had four first-rounders in their lineup two years ago, but you look at this receiver room, and it is absolutely incredible. Uh, you have Chris Alave, who is going to be a first-round pick this coming year in the NFL draft. You have Garrett Wilson, who is going to be a first-round NFL draft pick in this coming NFL draft, and he was absolutely incredible the other day in his return off of injury. Ten catches, 126 yards, three touchdowns, and he rushed for another touchdown. So four touchdowns total for Garrett Wilson. You have two guys that will be first-rounders this year. Jackson Smith and Jigba is incredible. He actually leads the team in receiving. And, oh, by the way, how about this? You have the number one wide receiver in the class of 2020, Julian Fleming, who can barely get on the field. You have the number one recruit in the class of 2021, uh, the kid from Washington, Emeka. I don't know how to say his last name. So you are talking about a receiver room. This is how good Ohio State's receiver room is. You have two first rounders this year, another kid who leads the team and catches this year, and the number one wide receiver in the class of 2020 and 2021 who can barely get on the field, not to mention Marvin Harrison Jr., not to mention Jeremy Ruckert, the tight end, not to mention Travion Henderson. And so if you're Michigan State and you're already struggling against the pass, I don't know how you slow them down. I don't know if you have the guys to do it. And it goes back to what I said a few weeks ago with Michigan State. They are clearly a feel-good story. They are clearly making strides under Mel Tucker but going into that Michigan game I told you I said I was reading all these reports about the transfer portal this and Mel Tucker that there was a reason they had to go to the transfer portal they had no depth at a lot of positions they were playing walk-ons the walk-ons were on the two deep at corner in spring practice and so I just don't know if even after all the transfer portal stuff they have the depth going into this Ohio State game to get the stops that they need. In terms of Michigan State, what I will say is, to its credit, this offense continues to roll. I know that they struggled defensively against Purdue, but you look at this offense, it's, I know it's not as though they were playing the best defensive teams in college football in Purdue and, Ohio, or Purdue and Maryland Excuse me, the last couple weeks, but you go back, we are now talking about four of the last five, or five of the last six, excuse me, that they've scored at least 29 points. The only one that they did not was against Indiana. And so to, to its credit, Michigan State, while we think of them as def you know, Mel Tucker, defense, run game, all this stuff, Kenneth Walker, they're, they're actually moving the ball pretty effectively. And I will give credit to somebody else too, and that is Peyton Thorne, the quarterback at Michigan State, who doesn't statistically have a great season, but last couple weeks he has been playing really well. Last week against Maryland, four touchdowns, one interception, 287 yards passing. The week before, two touchdowns, one interception, 20 of 30, 276 yards against Purdue. It's obviously going to be a different deal against Ohio State, but what I would also say about Ohio State is what I told you a few weeks ago when they were getting ready to play Purdue and that is that Ohio State, as good as they are against the run, and they're really good against the run, they have been struggling against the pass. It has not been any better. They're 108th nationally against the pass, and what's important to note with Ohio State also is this. Defensively, if you look at that Purdue game the other day, it looks as though they were okay. A lot of people would say, well, they gave up a lot of points late. I was watching that game, maybe because I had Purdue plus 21. That's neither here nor there. I don't tell you what to do, by the way, with good reason, because that's like Purdue plus 21. With that said, though, 
Ohio State, it was a 14-7 game. Purdue was driving. Purdue decided to get cute and put in their backup quarterback for a play. He fumbles. Ohio State scores two plays later, and the game is essentially over. And so I just bring that up to say Ohio State, as dominant as they were offensively, I don't know that defensively they are as sound as maybe they have looked statistically the last few games. Something to consider, something worth noting. We'll obviously dive into this game much deeper in the coming days on the second episode this week of College Football Betting. The over still feels sexy to me. I don't know if Michigan State can get stops, but I also know that Michigan State's offense is playing really, really well right now. All right, let's get into the next big game, top 25 matchup, biggest game in the SEC this week. And I will say it's kind of a quiet week in the SEC, right? We're kind of hitting that time of year where SEC teams, they start to play the, 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 the FCS schools and the directional schools and all that. So you have Georgia playing Charleston Southern. Uh, you know, you have Tennessee playing South Alabama. You have uh, Texas A&M. They are playing uh, Prairie View. So you, ha you don't have a ton of marquee games in the SEC, one that is, though, top 25 matchup, Arkansas at Alabama. What I would say about this one is interesting. First of all, Arkansas, we talked a lot about them early. They were really hot, playing really well. They beat Texas and Texas A&M, owned the entire state of Texas there for a while, lost three straight, went into an, a bye, and have won three straight since then. Seven and three right now, quietly playing some really good football. Took care of Mississippi State two weeks ago, who's obviously a really good team. Took care of LSU last week at LSU, beating LSU for the first time in about six or seven years in overtime. So that's the good news. And they're going up against an Alabama team that I think is really interesting from my perspective. Because you guys know, if you listen to this show, if you listen to the Aaron Torres podcast, if you follow me on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres, what you know is I've been a little bit lower on Alabama most of this year. And I think I've been right. Um, you know, my buddy Colin Cowherd talks about this all the time from the NFL perspective is there's kind of this thing in the NFL where everyone's afraid to criticize Patrick Mahomes. Now, maybe that's a little bit different after this Sunday where they played really well against the Vegas Raiders, but there is this thing where it's like, you can't criticize Patrick Mahomes. It's like, yeah, you can. He's not playing well, and I think with this Alabama team, they have shown some real flaws over the course of this season, specifically defending the pass and then also protecting Bryce Young running the football. Essentially, the O-line has not been great. The defensive backfield has not been great. The last time we saw Alabama, it's worth noting, against an SEC opponent. What happened? They barely held on to beat LSU. They win 20-14, to and they have six yards rushing total. And so, again, this Alabama team can be exposed. The question is, is Arkansas the team to expose them? Because here's the bottom line. The two ways, as I said, to beat Alabama, the two ways to expose them, the two, the two ways to make them uncomfortable – they are not great along the O-line, get pressure on Bryce Young. They are not great in the defensive backfield. The problem is, again, I don't know if Arkansas is the team to expose them. Arkansas just 19 total sacks this year. That sounds like a lot, but over the course of 10 games, you start to do the math, that comes out to less than two sacks per game. I mean, there there are players in, in college football right now, uh, you know, that, that are, I don't want to say they're averaging two sacks per game, but I mean, you got guys like Aiden Hutchinson and, and guys of that nature that are now closing in individually on, you know, 11, 12, 12 and a half sacks. I mean, Will Anderson leads college football at 12 and a half sacks himself, and Arkansas only has 19 sacks as a team. So that's one. And then the other thing is Arkansas is not a great passing team. Now, I think K.J. Jefferson 
He has been better than I thought. He has had his moments, specifically in that Ole Miss game where he threw the ball all over the field. A couple big plays dating back to the Texas A&M game. But the last couple games, K.J. Jefferson has really struggled. Not, not Struggled's not fair, but they just haven't gotten very vertical in the pass game with K.J. Jefferson. 18 of 25, 142 yards passing last week. 191 yards passing the week before, 194 yards passing against Arkansas Pine Bluff before that. And so I bring it up to say three straight games where K.J. Jefferson has has had less than 200 yards passing. And so while I do think Alabama can be susceptible, I do think this point spread, I don't even know if I mentioned it, the point spread is 21, the over-under is set at 57.5. I do think the number feels about right. Not because Arkansas isn't a good football team, but because of the ways that you have to expose Alabama, I am just not sure they are the team to do it. So we will see what happens in that one. On the defensive side of the ball for Alabama, I will say, we'll see if Will Anderson, as I just said, can get after Bryce Young. And the other thing is, Alabama's strengths on defense directly coincide with Arkansas's strengths on offense. Arkansas, a top 10 run run offense. Alabama, a top five rush defense they're actually number two in the SEC in rush defense behind only Georgia so again just a matchup where if that number feels high if you've been listening to me saying Alabama's overrated I don't know if this is the game where it gets exposed let's go to one more game we'll take a break I want to hit on some on some Pac-12 stuff with Oregon Utah USC UCLA and then also on top of that I do want to get to uh, some other games in the Big 12 and things of that nature but there's one really interesting one as far as I'm concerned in the ACC it is Clemson at home against Wake Forest Clemson is a four and a half point favorite the over under is set at 56 and what I would say here is a couple things one this is a fascinating matchup of offense versus defense and we'll get into the numbers in a minute because it'll blow your mind but then two on top of that what I would also say is this Wake Forest needs to win this game to clinch the ACC Coastal and go to the ACC Championship game Clemson I'm sorry I tripped up there there's a big gap there uh, Clemson would need to lose both uh, would need to win each of its last two games have Wake Forest lose each of its final two games just to just to have a chance to clinch the division. And so essentially, this is a division-clinching game for Wake Forest, and this is Clemson, their opportunity to keep their division hopes just barely alive if they were to win this game. They would need uh, Wake Forest to win to lose their last two games. So I, I got tripped up there, but let me just let me just backtrack on that. Wake Forest is 6-0 in the division. Clemson is 5-2. and This is their last ACC game. They could still technically win the division. They would need some help, but it would have to start with Wake Forest beating Wake Forest. If they beat Wake Forest, they would still be alive. If Wake Forest wins this, they are going to the ACC championship game. What's more interesting than that terrible breakdown of the ACC championship picture, though, just a fascinating matchup of offense versus defense. I've talked a lot about Wake Forest and their offense in recent weeks. I had the over in that North Carolina game where the final score was like 59-52. What a fun one that was. But this Wake Forest offense is for real, okay? Now, they were going up last week against a very good NC State defense. An NC State defense, by the way, that hadn't given up more than 14 points in three of its previous four games. And even against that defense, Wake Forest put up 45 points and forced North Carolina State into a shootout. So the question becomes two things. One, can Clemson slow down Wake Forest? And two, can Clemson then score enough? Because I don't know if you're going to hold Wake Forest to seven points or 10 points or 14 points. And that's generally been how Clemson has been winning games. 
Now, in terms of the defense, the defense has been still been phenomenal for Clemson. Right now, they are currently in the top 10 nationally, top, 11, uh, top 15 nationally, I really should say, in total defense. They are number three in scoring defense behind only Georgia and Wisconsin. I don't think people realize because they've struggled so much offensively how good they've been defensively. They gave up uh, 24 to Louisville the other day, but really have been lights out in terms of holding opponents to, to low scores. So to me, this is all a long-winded way of me saying can Clemson's offense put up enough points? Their defense is going to hold Wake Forest in check, but the idea that even though they're Clemson and even though they're playing Wake Forest, that they're some gonna, somehow going to hold a Wake Forest team which has not scored in a game this year fewer than 30 points, the idea that that Wake Forest team is somehow going to be held to you know, 10, 12, 14 points, I just don't see it. So the question becomes, can Clemson score enough? To its credit, Clemson has been scoring more 30 points against Florida State three weeks ago. Of course, that was the, the famous game where they scored on the final play of the game for the over to hit, which I was not very happy about. They put up 30 against Louisville. They put up 44 last week against my UConn Huskies. But even with that said, it is not as though DJ has been statistically all that much better over the course of the last three weeks. Last week against UConn completed just 47% of his passes, one touchdown, one interception. Two touchdowns against Louisville, one interception, one touchdown against Florida State. So the defense is still great. The offense is finding ways to score, but it's not as though they're putting up all kinds of crazy stats to me. Maybe the more one of the more interesting games, even though it, it doesn't feel as important as a lot of the other ones, it's going to be a fun one, Clemson Wake Forest. I just want to do, I want to take a quick break. I do want to come back, and I'm going to talk about some big games in the Pac-12, Oregon against Utah. We also have, on top of that, uh, on top of Oregon, Utah, we also have USC, UCLA. We have Oklahoma returning to the field after their loss. A lot of good stuff coming up. We'll be right back. All right, everybody. I am back. Going to be back. Going to be back. Let's get to the rest of the week 12 slate in college football. And let's get to what is, frankly, probably the single biggest game of the Pac-12 regular season. First place in the South, Utah, hosting first place in the North, Oregon. And remember when I told you a minute ago that there were some funky lines this week in college football? It doesn't get funkier than this. Utah is a three-point favorite over Oregon over under set at 59 and a half, which means this. Oregon is currently, as I record here on Monday, the number three team in the most recent college football playoff rankings. It is expected that they will remain there after this past weekend when the new rankings come out on Tuesday. And the odds makers of DraftKings Sportsbook expect Utah to win, Utah to win outright, and we create some chaos within the college football playoff world. If that happened, obviously it would mean that the Pac-12 has essentially been eliminated from the college football playoff race. So the next question becomes, why Utah? Why now? How good are they? And they're a team that, frankly, I haven't talked about all that much on this show, but it's really interesting only because I actually, they were my preseason Pac-12 champion the team that I picked to win the Pac-12 in the preseason and the reason why was pretty simple they essentially returned everybody off of last year's team last year was a rebuilding team from two years ago in 2019 when they won the Pac-12 South played in the Pac-12 championship game and ultimately actually lost to Oregon and Justin Herbert in that game but the one thing they were missing coming into the season this is what makes it interesting they returned everybody from last year I think it was literally like 20 starters 21 starters except a quarterback and the presumption was they brought in Charlie Brewer, a transfer from Baylor, 
and the question was, was he going to win the job and was he going to be the guy to put them over the top? He does win the job. He does beat out Cam Rising in fall camp, but coming out of the gate, he struggles. Utah is one and two. He gets benched. He enters the portal like so many people do the second they get benched in the, in the world that we live in, and everybody thinks Utah's season is over. Instead, the exact opposite has happened. Utah has absolutely taken off with Cam Rising as the starter. They are 6-1 and one in his start, and they have scored 34 or more points in each of their last five games. So what makes them so effective? It's actually the offense. I know we think of Utah as this defense power running team, but the offense, as I just said, has been crazy effective, 34 points plus in each of the last five games. And what I would say about Cam Rising and about this offense is this. Cam Rising is not an elite passer. He doesn't complete an insane percentage of, of his throws, but he doesn't turn the ball over either. This season is a starter, 14 touchdowns, two interceptions, and they are doing also what Utah always does, which is run the ball insanely well. 17th nationally in rushing. And how about this? They are averaging 5.88 yards per carry. That is fourth most in college football behind only Florida, Baylor, and Ohio State. Here's the thing, though. To Oregon's credit, we think of the offense. We think of Joe Moore. We th Joe Moorhead, excuse me. We think of the run game. Oregon is really good on defense, especially against the run. They rank 25th nationally against the run, and it's not as though they haven't faced good run offenses with Ohio State and some of the other teams that they faced throughout the year. The bigger question for me, believe it or not, with Oregon is that offense. And I know, again, we think of Joe Moorhead. He's really good at what he does. He is probably going to get a head coaching job this offseason because we got so many jobs open that I don't know how you're going to fill up all those spots, but whether it's Washington, Washington State, maybe Arizona State if it opens, like Joe Moorhead is going to have an opportunity to be a head coach. But if you actually look at this Oregon offense, it really hasn't been all that effective over the last three, four, five weeks. Obviously, look, last week against Washington State, they win 38-24. You think, oh, it's this great offensive performance. Uh, it was 14-14 at halftime, and they pulled away late against a Washington State team that obviously has an interim head coach. The week before against Washington, who also now has an interim head coach, they score 26 points. Obviously, the famed Jimmy Lake punt with like a minute to go or four minutes to go or whatever it was uh, when they could when they you know they were only down seven at the time. So it's not as though this offense is moving the ball up and down the field, up and down the field, up and down the field. And so that is what is going to be interesting. Is this could be more of Oregon's defense versus Utah's offense, can they get enough stops as opposed to Oregon outscoring Utah? I've said it for weeks, the pass game for Oregon does concern me. Obviously, without C.J. Verdell, the run game has been able to, you know, in a credit to Travis Dye, the run game has been able to continue to be productive, but I do think at some point it all catches up with them because Anthony Brown is just simply not an elite quarterback. 64% completion percentage, 12 touchdowns, four interceptions this year, and unlike Cam Rising, who didn't start until week four, week five, uh, this guy, Anthony Brown, has been starting from day one. And so I would just say that this is another one. The line, like Ohio State, like Ohio State, Michigan State, looks weird on paper. It isn't that weird to me. It'll be interesting to see if Oregon can move the ball enough against this Utah defense. Utah's uh, run defense is not great, so there is the possibility that exists that they can. But this Oregon offense has been far from elite and far from humming over the last three, four, five weeks. Tough game in Utah, cold weather. We'll see what happens there. Staying in the Pac-12, we got another really interesting one, and that is UCLA at USC. 
UCLA is a three-point favorite. Over-under set at 66.5. And, and I'll just say this. Like I just said a minute ago uh, with the Joe Moorhead stuff, we don't obviously talk coaching searches and coaching candidates on this show for obvious reasons. That's what the Aaron Torres podcast is for. There's a time and a place for that, and I don't think this is it. But I will tell you, I live in Los Angeles, for people who do not know, and there is a ton right now of Ch is Chip Kelly going to survive buzz. I don't really get it. I think this is not an easy program to win, not as easy as people expect, but there is some real Chip Kelly buzz uh, that he might not be back next year, and so I think the best thing you could do, Chip Kelly, go out and beat the worst USC team that maybe we have ever seen. To Chip Kelly's credit, the team is coming off a 44-20 win over Colorado, but never forget they were down 20-10 to 10 at halftime and scored 34 unanswered in the second half to win that game. So I don't really know what to make of this UCLA team. Um, they're obviously the better team. They're a favorite for a reason. And what I would say about UCLA that's really interesting is that it's been pretty much the same on UCLA all year. I remember saying this before the UCLA Fresno State game in like week three. I think it was like September 24th or something like that. Um, there's a very clear way to beat UCLA, and that was why I like Fresno State in that game. If you go back and listen to that show, you, yeah, I, I basically laid it out, and it's still true now. To beat UCLA, this is what you got to do. You got to be able to stop the run, and you have to be able to pass the ball as well because UCLA is a very elite rushing attack top 20 nationally on offense, top 20 nationally in rushing offense, 75th nationally in passing, not nearly as great passing-wise. And then the pass defense is abysmal. Um, you know, Jake Heiner, obviously, that night for Fresno State was incredible, but UCLA cannot get stops defensively through the air. So the question now becomes, does USC have the blueprint to actually beat UCLA? Well, it's interesting. On the one hand, they sort of do. They actually have the top pass offense in the entire Pac-12, number one pass offense in the conference. The big question now is, can they stop the run? It is also worth noting two things with USC in that pass offense. One, a lot of it was predicated on Drake London being awesome and one of the best wide receivers in college football. He is obviously out for the year. You would presume he's a junior, that his USC career is done. Um, and it's not as though Keaton Slovis has been absolutely incredible over the last couple months. Um, you know, if anything, he's kind of regressed this season, which it's not totally his fault. There's a lot of chaos within the program, all that good stuff. But, you know, the question becomes, while statistically he has been good, what is the answer there? And then also on top of that, it's also worth noting that Jackson Dart, the true freshman, actually got some reps in USC's last game against Arizona State. Speaking of USC, what I would also say, uh, it's also worth noting that they did not play last week. They were on the other side of that Pac-12 cancellation of the Cal game. It wasn't really a Pac-12 cancellation. It was more of Cal. But Cal, obviously, they have 99% vaccinated, still had to cancel because of the rules in Berkeley and so USC is coming off a week where they did not play they will play Cal later in the season but this is just an interesting matchup because USC statistically they should be able to move the ball in this USC defense on top of that the offense what did I say right UCLA two ways to beat them stop the run pass the ball on offense well they pass the ball on offense they do not stop the run at all 82nd nationally in rush defense so you'd think that UCLA should be able to move the ball on the ground again the spread is UCLA minus three over under 66 and a half. I think you could probably take a guess where I would put my money. Don't tell you what to do. That, un that over, excuse me, looks sexy. Speaking of interesting uh, matchups, by the way, interesting matchups, interesting point spreads. How about this? Haven't talked Cincinnati a ton on this show because I don't think you really – I'm just not a big fan of betting these monster numbers. They're a 28-point road favorite against this team. They're a 
18-point road favorite. Like, I just don't like betting big numbers. But Cincinnati is going to face the toughest team they face since they played Notre Dame earlier this, this year when they host SMU this weekend. SMU comes into this game at 8-2 and two overall. Unfortunately for Cincinnati, those losses for SMU have come in the last three weeks. And so because of it, SMU, a team that we thought this might be an undefeated matchup of top 25 teams, now SMU has lost two out of three. They lost to Houston two weeks ago. They lost to Mem- or three weeks ago. They lost to Memphis two weeks ago by a field goal. They do take care of Gus Malzahn, Central Florida Golden Knights the other night. I think they're actually just the Knights, not the Golden Knights. But I bring it up to just say this is not as big of a matchup as we expected. But what I would also say is this is one of two chances that Cincinnati has to get a quality win before the end of the year. The other will come in the AAC championship game against Houston. So what do you need to know about these two teams? Well, obviously, I think we know exactly what, right? Cincinnati, really, really, really good on defense. Specifically, they are going to have to be good in the pass game because SMU throws the ball all over the field. Number eight nationally in pass offense for uh, SMU. Number five pass defense for Cincinnati. You would think that they would slow them down. You would think that they would have success doing so. And I will say to their credit, historically, Luke Fickle has had an answer for this SMU offense. Last year's SMU scored just 13 points at home in a 29-point loss to Cincinnati. Uh, SMU was one of the highest scoring teams in college football last year. They had scored 37 points. Uh, they had scored, excuse me, at least 30 points coming into the game against Cincinnati last year, and then they scored 51 and 47 coming out of the Cincinnati game. Cincinnati holds them to 13 last season. So, Luke Fickle has had success. I think the interesting thing for me is, um, does is Cincinnati able to move the ball enough to be able to cover that 12.5-point spread, 12-point spread, excuse me? They are moving the ball effectively. They're not super dynamic offensively, 57th nationally in total offense. And, of course, never forget, Last week, notwithstanding, they've played a couple close games as of late uh, prior to dominating South Florida last week, a 28-20 win over Tulsa, 31-12 win over Tulane that was close late into the fourth quarter, and then the week before that, 27-20 against Navy. So Cincinnati hasn't been great, but they were very good against SMU last year, so keep that in mind as you get ready, ready to wager on this game. couple other ones. Uh, first of all, Virginia at Pitt. Should be a fun matchup between two of the top scoring offenses in college football. But please note this, because I messed this up last week. Virginia, which was an unstoppable force on offense, their quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, has a rib injury. He did not play last week against Notre Dame, and they could not move the ball. If you are going to bet that game, please pay attention, keep an eye out, because Brennan Armstrong, the quarterback, if he cannot play, Virginia cannot move the ball. That would be one I stay away from. In terms of other games, uh, Nebraska returning to the field for the first time since Scott Frost got his extension, but then fired his entire coaching staff. I don't know who is coaching this team this week outside of Scott Frost. I don't know if he's calling offense, defense, special teams. I will say special teams can't be much worse. They are a 10-point underdog at Wisconsin over under set at 42.5. Wisconsin, man, I'll tell you, Wisconsin is really starting to roll over the last couple weeks. 
Um, Wisconsin right now over the last couple weeks, here is what they've done. 35-7 win over Nebraska, uh, over Northwestern, excuse me. 52-3 against Rutgers. 27-7 against Iowa. 30-13 against Purdue. Overall, they are currently on a six-game win streak dating back to the loss to Michigan. 7-3 overall. A team that was essentially kind of forgotten, to be perfectly honest, after they started 1-3, and three, but they're playing really good football. Uh, other one in the Big Ten, Michigan at Maryland. The one thing I would say, Michigan, obviously, look, you got to win this game to set up a really important game against Ohio State next week. Not saying I think Michigan's going to win, but if Michigan wins this game, they're 10-1 going into the Ohio State game. Jim Harbaugh has another 10-win season. And oh, by the way, what that means is that Michigan will be playing for a Big Ten championship if Ohio State takes care of Michigan State this week. They are a 14-and-a-half-point uh, favorite at Maryland. Maryland throws the ball really effectively, but it's worth noting Michigan does have a very good pass defense. This will be a 3.30 Eastern kickoff. Michigan trying to win this game, win pretty, win ugly, just win to set up a game at Ohio State. I think next week, or against Ohio State next week, I think that's really all the big games from this weekend. I think it's time to get out of here. I should mention, by the way, Oklahoma five-point favorite against Iowa State. Uh, that'll be an interesting one. Iowa State gave up a million points last week to Texas Tech, so we'll keep an eye on that one as well. Listen, I think that's all for today's show. We've covered a lot of ground in a short amount of time. I will be back on Thursday with another episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. Before I get out of here, I want to remind you, please make sure that you are subscribed to the show Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, all that good stuff. Also, make sure that you are following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. And also, make sure to tell friends and family. This show continues to grow even as the season winds down. I will say really quick. I will continue to do this show in some way, shape, or form in the offseason. We'll obviously get first week bets, over-under, Heisman Trophy bets throughout the offseason. So make sure you're subscribed so when we go to the offseason, whenever I do a new episode, you are, of course, getting notifications. But that is all for today's show. Thank you for listening. I will be back next week. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.